Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. here with me Suzanne and Grace they are behind and the behind the incredible organization love one which if any of y'all are involved with country music and you follow Lauren and Thomas Rhett Lauren and Thomas Rhett are huge advocates for y'all's organization they're super involved it's I feel like it's become kind of a big part a lot of people in country music have a big heart for your organization and you guys started this from your own personal experience with adopting your daughter Josie Love and your heart was just so moved I told y'all I'm gonna start crying before this interview I just feel so emotional because what y'all are doing is so incredible So kind of tell me how you got going with this. You're a mother of eight, Suzanne. You have four biological, four adopted. You obviously, your family has the biggest heart in the world. You are truly saving children. So tell me how, and I'm going to pull myself together and not cry this one. Tell me how you got going and tell me about your story. Um, well, you know, we when we went to get Josie, we knew that she had been in the children's home for about three years. We knew that she was delayed. We didn't know to what extent, but we did know that there were some delays there. And um, Grace actually traveled with us over there, and she just fell in love with her. She, Grace, and then my the next born biologically, Michael, went with us, and and she just kept saying, you know, mom and dad, I really feel like 
that um, Josie is supposed to be a marionette. Now, there were multiple things that happened before this. Like after We adopted two little boys domestically that are African-American. And I always kind of joked around saying, you know, if I were to ever adopt a little girl, I'd want to have big pom-poms, and I would name, well, I'd want to name her Josie Love. Well, because you were, like, slaving over Joshua and Caleb's hair, and you didn't even get to style it. It was just... Right. You didn't get to do anything fun with it, but it took so much care. So I feel like that was kind of what made you be like, I would at least want some pom poms for Yeah, some you know? <laughs> right. um, And her name was Josephine in Africa. Wow. So, like, it kind of, like, started all happening, just coming together. Well, it was, her name was Josephine. For hygienic purposes, they shave all the baby's heads, and she was the only child there with hair. And she had long hair. They pulled, they braided, or they pulled it up in little pom-poms. And so we went to go visit her. It was this strange thing of, oh, my goodness, there's a Josephine, and she's got pom-poms. And, um, and then Grace just fell in love with her. And she didn't talk much. She'd make little sounds. Um, and we came home. We were there traveling to serve. And when we came back, um, Grace just said, I think she's supposed to be a Marinick. And What was it, Grace, that made you feel that way? I don't know. I think... I held her like the whole time we were there and I remember she had a raging fever and I had, I had gotten this huge jug of water and I, she, she was so thirsty and she kept reaching for it and I held her and gave her the whole thing. And so looking back, I've actually never said this out loud, I don't think, but looking back, I think I felt like I was taking care of her. Like, I mean, I was 13 and she drank my entire big jug of water. And I remember holding her and being like, gosh, she's so thirsty and there's so many kids here. And like, I'm here for an hour and I can help her. Like she, and she's drinking my water. And I think probably in my mind at that point, I've seriously never thought this through, but I think probably at that point I thought we could care for her. Like our family could do this for her all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was (laughs) never been asked that. She, I mean, she put her picture on our screensavers of our laptops, and she was bound and determined that she was going to be a Marinick. And one day she said to me, you know, Mom, if she was perfectly normal and healthy and had met all our milestones, would you go get her? Because I kept saying, honey, you know, we've got six kids. Let's pray for her family. And when she said that to me, I, it was a reality check of, you know what, M- maybe, probably. But I was fearful. Of the unknown. Well, and that's, I mean, six kids is already a lot of kids. Like, that's a lot to manage. That's a lot to handle. That's a lot of emotions and lives that you're, you know, taking care of. I mean, to add another kid, it's, that's a big commitment. It is. It is. But, you know, the, and then, so then we prayed about it, and we really felt a peace. Okay, let's go back and get her. And when we did, we had the same thing. She had a really high fever. She weighed about 12 pounds, and she was three and a half. She was tiny, and she was laying across mine and Mike's legs in the doctor's office, and the doctor came out and said, she's HIV positive, she has tuberculosis, and she has malaria. So and what do you do when you get that news? How do you even start, start the mental process of what to do? Well, my first thought was, she's going to die right here on our legs. Because she was laying limp across us. And I thought, she's going to die before we can ever get her home. To even, And then what does that even look like? 
you, you know, she's HIV positive. We have six kids at home. She's got tuberculosis. There were just layers to it. So we went back to where we were staying and Mike just instantly went into uh, on the laptop, Googling, reaching out to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, infectious disease. What does this look like? What does that look like? And I cried for hours. I cried and I cried because all I could think about was, you know, if we leave her here, she's going to die. Right. If we take her home, what do we do? Right. You have, and you have six other kids. Yeah. Like this is, there's a lot of things to kind of stress out about. <laughs> yeah. It, did, it was so burdened. My heart was so burdened. And so Mike, he just said, one thing I do know is that if we're going to bring her home, we have to put addendums under our home steady. And I said, well, I'm not leaving her. Right what does that mean? Addendums on her home stay? Home steady. So, you know, we had to do a home study in order a home to study. Yes, a home study. But for tuberculosis, we would have to put addendums onto it to get her across the borders because the United States is not going to let her come in, you know, with, with something that we're vaccinating for for years and years and years to keep out of our country. Right. So, um, I stayed, he came home, and he called me about a week in and just said, you know what, it's going to be fine. I've talked to the doctors here at Vanderbilt. They are, are saying that the HIV is very manageable. We'll get her, her viral loads to where they're undetectable. You know, it'll be fine. And, but I did have some fears. You know, I had a two-year-old. Right. He's biting at the time. I mean, I mean, honestly, like you can't help but have those fears, not because of anything of Josie Love's fault or like that she has these diseases, but like you're you don't want your other kids to be infected. I mean, that's a real thought. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality. And then I, once I was educated on how it's really spread and how it's not going to be spread through, you know, oh, saliva or whatever. Um. We had more of a piece about it, but the crazy thing is, once we got her home, I mean, she didn't. She just kind of sat in the corner. She crawled around, but she didn't walk or talk. Nine months after medicine for the tuberculosis, medicine for the HIV, her viral loads were undetectable. She was up walking around our entire house, call, calling everybody by name. And so. I think once I saw her be able to blossom with just a little bit of love and medical care, then all I could think about were all the other thousands of babies in Uganda where their moms are holding them exactly the way I was sitting there holding her in that doctor's office, thinking she's going to die, yet they didn't have a way to take to help their babies. And you saw that it just took some, just some basic medical treatment that we have in the States to save Josie Love's life and to let her thrive. So, I mean, but like, gosh, what a burden on the heart to bear to now think about all these kids. And like, that's where I have so much admiration for you guys because like, you're in there, you're on the ground, you're doing this. And like, I think about it and I have never gone overseas and done a mission trip. I want to do that one day, but like, it's just like, once you see and feel this, like, what do you too. You start an organization. Well, that's the thing. You know, I would lay in bed and think, what do I, how can I help? What do I do? And I have a mother's heart. I thought about all the other moms holding their babies and it broke my heart. I just thought I can't just lay here and do nothing when I know what could happen. Like I could help their babies live and then I can help a mom 
be able to understand how to take care of her baby and how to give them the medical care and give them the food that they need. And so that really is what started it and what it just lit a fire in my heart and I had no idea how to do it. So I just started praying, Lord, if I'm supposed to do this, open the doors. And if you open them, I'll walk through them. And if you shut them, I'll stop. Literally like the doors just flew open and flew open and flew open. And I just kept walking. So what doors came open? What were the doors? What, what, what was the domino effect that started happening? Well, it was okay. I've got to, first of all, I have to find people in Uganda that are going to work alongside me and assist me in it. Out of the clear blue, I had a girl that actually helped me when Josie was so sick and I had to leave her in Uganda to go back and get her. She reached out and said, I'm not working for my organization anymore. Do you need any help with anything that you're doing? Wow. Yes. I got on a plane. I flew over there. I met with government officials. And I said, I want to open up a community-based organization because I want to help babies that are dying of malnourishment. Signed on some letters. Then we... So that, you were able to move through the government process quickly? Well, it was a community-based organization. So all I did was show up in a certain community and say, do I have permission to help the children in this area? That's how I started it. And then we went around and, and he, they were like, yes, please. We'll show you some areas that really need some, some help. So the government officials took me around to several different areas. I met community people that said, we'll call you if there's a baby that's in need. And that's how it happened. I rented a house. I hired more people that could care for the babies. Started out small in a little area as a community-based organization, and then babies just started coming in, and, my, and parents, moms started showing up on our front porch. Well, then we moved it into the paperwork from a community-based organization. We settled it into a nonprofit and made it to where then we could work that way. And then more babies came, more staff was hired, and we, we say the way we describe it all. And then, of course, Lauren was along the way saying, I want to travel with you anytime you go anywhere. You book me a flight right next to you. And then in one of our trips, we found Willa Gray. And Oh, I remember when y'all found Willa Gray because my husband, Michael, was in a van, A Thousand Horses. And we were actually on tour with Jason Aldean and Thomas Stratton, A Thousand Horses. And Lauren was wearing bracelets for Willa Gray. And she had just, like, met her. And she was, like, in love with her and she was like talking about the story and just like praying to bring her home and I that was the first I started hearing of you guys in this whole process and I mean how incredible because she had the same feeling that you had Grace when I feel like when she met Willa Gray with when you met Josie it just was so instant she knew it had to be her daughter yeah it's true it, it God just works in such mysterious ways and if you I think what I've learned more than anything, if you take a, a step of faith, um, and truly, if the doors open, you keep walking. If they don't, you just pause, and then you wait for him to open up another door. That's but, great advice, Suzanne. That's, like, incredible advice. Well, that's how I live my day. I wake up in the morning, and I think, okay, I've got an hour and a half to get my kids out the door to go to school. Once they're out the door, then I look at the next hour, and then I look at the next hour, and... If I, you know, there's a lot of days where my, everything just gets shut down or I continue to get a lot done in the day. And right. so I, th I think, but then you're able to look back and you're, you can see where the Lord connects all the dots. Like when Lauren took that very first trip with me to Haiti, 
God knew that I was going to want to start level one. And he knew that she was going to be in a place where she was going to need to use her platform for something good for her heart and soul because she hates the whole fame life. And so for her, it gives her peace. But then it was kind of like there was this plane that was launched in the air and we're trying to assemble the wings. Well, and that's the thing. Now you have this thing rolling. You have babies. Like it's happening. Like what do you, what do, you do? Do you have a moment of like a panic attack? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Someday. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I keep this going? Now, not only do I have my own kids, my own adopted children and new daughter, but now I'm like, have all these babies and like, it's in Uganda. I mean, there's a lot of energy. I, like, I would, I would have a lot of nervous energy. I guess this is when you like lean on God so much. Like you just have to like fully trust. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the look on your face is hilarious. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know how overwhelmed I feel just with one daughter. Like, I have been overwhelmed just with one child. So all of this on your plate is just, I'm so in awe. And that's what, I mean, I know, you are a superwoman. Like, you, your family is amazing. Y'all are, y'all are beyond incredible. It, it truly is day by day. Like, I cannot look a week ahead. I make it through every day. I turned 50 this year. And that was a crazy thing. Like, holy cow. Like, I've lived longer than what I'm probably going to live. So I really want to make this last part count. And, and I think I've, I really do appreciate sunrises and sunsets more now than I ever have in my whole life. Because Sundays, I cannot wait for the sun to set. Because I, I just need to put my head on the pillow. But then when the sun rises, I have a brand new day and I get to start again. And, you know, I can, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow anyway. And so I really do try to just lean into living in the moment because if I look ahead, I get really overwhelmed. And then I feel like I can't breathe, like I'm suffocating. If I'm, if I'm being honest. Of course. I mean, I would expect nothing less, honestly. Yeah. So tell me about what started happening in y'all's hearts when loved one put up its house and opened its doors, got on the crack in and all the babies started coming in. Like, what did you do? And then like the healing happened. Like, how did that feel when you saw the healing? I'm sorry. I'm just crying. <laughs> um, there are many days and I'm going to let Grace speak to this because, um, when she was graduating from college, which really made me think, okay, she's graduating. And she said to me, mom, I want to help. Like, I want to help you with loved one. So she kind of urged me on to actually take the jump. Um, and we really have, when I tell you, we connected hearts and minds and bodies and said, okay, we're going to do this together. You two did. How, how special of a bond for you as mother daughter to to have this, soul project that you're doing together too. It, yeah. it really is sweet. And our, like our, all of her siblings too, our whole family owns it. They own it. They love it. If there's any place that any of them ever want to go any time of the year, it's Africa. At any moment they'll get on a plane and go. Um, I think for me, there's a lot of days where I want to throw in the towel and cause I just think I can't do it. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. My soul is 
tired. I mean, of course, you're catching me at the end of the school year. I'm exhausted. <laughs> My college kids are coming home. Um, but when you see those little bodies go from being eight pounds to 18 or 20, it makes it worth. I mean, it, that, that's what it's all about is yeah. their, their little lives. Yeah. Wouldn't you say like, because for her, she's in charge of donor management and fundraising. And I think going back and seeing the babies and you can speak to that is what keeps her going. Yeah. Cause I'm sure it's so emotionally draining and I'm sure there's some really sad stories that you have to walk through as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But also on a firsthand basis, like because I've grown up going there and seeing the impact, like truly the impact of a dollar there goes so far. And so I think like that is just so ingrained in who I honestly, who I am as a person now that I'm like, I believe in it so wholeheartedly and I can look at people and say like, you truly do not understand how far your dollar will go that I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And so that's why I love my job. And I think the timing of me coming in was perfect because I felt like I kind of had a fresh set of eyes mm-hmm. as we were entering into this new season and even little things like we have merch and I just feel like sometimes nonprofit merch is so like it's all just the same it's so y'all's is so cute i was on your store today and i mean it's like so cute and they all have like yeti cups and like it's everything so just like oh i want to you want to wear it you know all the shirts are so cute it's like such great merch well and that was the goal it was just like that's one thing where even if you don't have a, a heart connection with loved one or you don't even know anything about love when you'd still see the sweatshirt and say oh that's cute i would wear that you know so things like that and just setting up structures and things and having a plan for our social media and little things like that, that I feel like I came out of college and I had a fresh set of eyes and I was able to be like, okay, I think these are little things that we could do that could really boost what we're doing and raise awareness and make people want to learn more and get involved and give and all those things. So Grace as a young girl, as a young woman and as a young child growing up in this, tell me how this has shaped who you are because this has been your life. Yeah. Um, I think, well, number one, growing up in Williamson County where everyone is so affluent, um, it is not normal where we live. And I mean, honestly in America, like it is just amazing and insane what we have. I mean, you you hear it all the time, like, well, we have running water, but, but it's like you, I think growing up, and going over there so early, it just shaped the way that I view the world from such a young age. And so every, it's just a perspective that I carry with me into everything that I do, every place that I visit, every conversation I have, how I approach like situations in life. Um, I mean, it a hundred percent has made me who I am today. Do you feel like it just makes you so much more, uh, well, I, I interviewed Lauren, um, a while back and she was saying she really struggled for a while because like, she would go to Africa and she'd be in the midst of all of this lack, like no clean water, like all of this, like what you're talking about, all these children who are malnourished and have diseases that need tending to and all of the, the help that is needed. And then she'd fly back and like throw on a, a, 
a full beautiful gown and walk a red carpet at an award show and like it just like it was so difficult for her to manage the that's those that those extremely different lives like the the difference from being in Africa to being here and so like is that how you feel like how did how do you make peace with all of the I mean the affluence that we have here in the states versus seeing how much lack is there how do you walk that line I mean obviously none of us are can control where we're born into but I do think that and it's not wrong to be born into where we are like we didn't choose it we just are where we are but I do think it's wrong to be born into what we're born into and or maybe not even born into to be where if you're in a place where you're blessed then I think it's wrong to not use that to bless other people like mm -hmm. I feel like that is our it's a responsibility that we have um, we have so much and if you're doing good with it, then that's what matters. You know, it's, it's yes. not wrong to have it, but it is important that you're using it to bless other people. I, I think that is such a great perspective. In, in, as a mom, my goal has always been for us to be able to blend in to where you fit the people that you're around. So you're not an outcast socially, but stand apart. And so, you know, if you, and that's in the early, in early on, that was more tricky than it is now because they're all old enough now to where they've made their own way. But early on when they were little and then we would go and there were so many, I mean, I drove a 15 passenger van in Brentwood, <laughs> you know, and we were all different colors and we we're all different sizes. And we got asked all the time, even last summer at the beach, three different times, my children got asked if we were a church group. And so it's funny now we laugh about it, but it's, it, I'm always saying it's okay to blend in. So you have friends socially, but it's also very important that you stand apart. Yeah. Because then people ask questions and then when they ask questions, you have the opportunity to share Jesus. That's a great distinction. So blend in, but then also stand apart. So people are curious and then you can tell them and share. Yeah. And that's a huge part of loved one's mission is while the children, when they're in the rehabilitation, rehabilitation center, they're not just fed and nourished and brought back to health. They're also taught Jesus. That's a big part of y'all's mission. Yeah. Well, because we feel like the only reason why we, our family looks like it is, is because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we're in Uganda is because of Jesus. And if we don't share the story of Christ and his love for us, then all of our work is for naught. At the end of the day, everybody we come in contact with, I just told my staff this last week, because we're trying to hire a spiritual leader, a full-time, I want a spiritual director to where everywhere loved one goes in Uganda, there's that person on the forefront that is sharing the gospel telling people about Jesus. What better way to share the love of Jesus than when you have a dying baby in your hands and two minutes later you hand this healthy baby back to a mom and say, the reason your child has been cared for and that you are loved and this baby is healthy is it's because of Christ. I mean, and for you, you talking about your child, um, I love seeing the, the tears in your eyes because 
it, now that you have a child and if you went over there, when you look at those children, you see your child's face. Yeah. And you think, what if this was my child? And then it pushes you, it urges you to want to do more. So like you earlier saying that I'm super mom, not really. I'm just a mom that has a mama's heart that I think about those babies and I see Grace's face and Josie's face and, and I can't just sit over here and not do anything. And she's also super mom. <laughs> multitasker. I'm a good mouth multitasker. <laughs> what led you guys to adoption and going to Uganda in the first place? How did you even get started on this journey? <laughs> um, well, so when I went from three to four children, I was completely overwhelmed. And I sat in my kitchen floor and I cried a lot. <laughs> and um, about a year later... I was sitting in church, and the pastor was preaching on, I'm the vine, the God's the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. And there was this little African-American boy that kept turning around and smiling at me. And I heard, I have a child for you. You heard that? I have a child for you. After you just had your fourth child, you're like, oh my God, no God, please. exactly what I thought. Like, I actually had a few cuss words go through my mind. Yeah, like this is not okay. Right, right. And um, I've never had, heard, had any type of spiritual, like nothing like that has ever happened to me. And I looked around and everybody was just sitting there and I heard it again. I got up, I went to the bathroom, I got sick. Like I was so nauseous because it was so clear that it was the very last thing that I felt like I was capable of doing. Came home, Mike and I are talking about church, and I started telling him, you're not going to believe what happened to me today. And, of course, he's like, what did it sound like? <laughs> I said, I don't know. It's like this echoey voice in my head. Um, I started throwing up. Because of like the, just like the overwhelmingness of hearing this? Yeah, I think I was just completely stressed out thinking I can't I, I can't do it I can't do it and so then a series of events happened but one of the my husband started hearing all these things on the radio and he started reading this book called ordinary who lives in the land of familiar and how you step out of the land of familiar and then you reach the promised land and it's called the dream giver by Bruce Wilkinson okay um it's an amazing little allegorical tale um, and then we really just started doing our research and we found out that little black baby boys 15 years ago, they were the last babies to be adopted. And so we said, well, maybe we'll just do our paperwork and just mark African American little boy and just put it in an adoption agent and just let it sit. And if God has a child for us, then he'll bring it. Well, we finished the paperwork and three months later, Joshua was in my arms. And when I started talking to his birth mom, realized that the week that I heard the Lord speak to me was the week that she made her adoption plan. Oh my gosh. Then, so, but here's the crazy thing. After we brought him home, I completely freed up from all the, what the world or Brentwood told me that I had to have in order or what we had to look like my children dressed alike and the sandals and everybody's clean and, you know, spit shined every time you walk out the door. I all of that. And I just lived life and my children were happier. I wasn't stressed out about the five. 
I just lived in freedom. It was amazing. And so two years later, we started the adoption process again. How did you get another call? How did you know it was time to adopt again? Well, that reason we kind of felt like early on we needed to adopt another child that looked like Joshua. Okay. Because we're all white. Our family, like our groceries white, our dentists are white, our doctors were white, our school was white, our church was white, and we had this one little brown boy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then it was so like, you know what, God, if you have another child for us, you'll bring him and we'll take him and it's going to be great. And same thing, we did our home study. Three months later, Caleb was in my arms. So then I just kind of like, you know what, God, you've got this, and I'm just going to walk in it. And we have, and in our children, it's been really cool to see our children through the years evolve into who they are just because of what our life looks like. Um, I just feel like they look through a different lens than yes. most. Yeah, it's sweet. So, Grace, what did, how, how did you feel when you found out that y'all were going to start adopting? What was that like? How old were you? I was in fourth grade when Joshua came home, sixth grade when Caleb came home, seventh when I went to Uganda for the first time, eighth when Josie came home, and then my sister Tuto, which she hasn't mentioned. But I know. Who's the, who's the fourth one? Well, we got her later. She was 18. She's from Honduras. So we brought her, she's been here seven years, six, seven years. So she came um, quite a bit later. Y'all adopted her when she was 18? Yeah. Oh, I bet that's a good story. It's a pretty good story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you just, it's just all God. That's really all I can say. It really is. Oh my gosh. So do you just... What we do, you just roll with it. Like now, here you are. You guys have a beautiful, huge family. Grace, you're working with your with the family business now. You're changing all these lives. Like, how do you know what to to do next? Because y'all have grown so much. You started off with a small facility. Now you you have dreams to build a bigger one, and you've already helped to over like 250 kids. So how? What it? What is it? Do you just let? God keep telling you and directing you? How do you, how do you move forward in this? Like, what are the, what's the process? Um, well, uh, we've learned how to, like, there's a lot of warfare when you're, when you live this, it's like Satan wants to shut down every door he can. So I feel like we're always dodging, (laughs) we're dodging arrows as they come with just corruption and daily things that you deal with. Um, or just even with my children, hardships. And um, I think as far as Uganda goes, we have a model that is kind of, if the doors open, we're going to continue to walk through them. And when they shut, we'll stop. But as long as they're open, we're going to run through them. And, and I feel like in every part of our life, I just kind of say, you know what, God's got it. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to bring me this far and then leave me. Yes. I run into emotional things with each one of my children, or if I start saying, oh my gosh, there's not enough of me to go around. This one's struggling emotionally. This one's in middle school. This, you know, they're kind of all over the place because they're at such different stages of their lives. I have to go back to that in that he's not going to bring us this far for this to be the plan of our life and for me to not have enough to give each child. 
And now that she's older, she can give to some of the younger ones. And my old ones give to the younger ones and they all take care of each other and they support each other. We're all, they're really close, which is really sweet. And I think it's because through the years we've had to be, they had to share. They had to take turns. They had to share rooms. Um, and so in that, even when we finally got to the point where they didn't have to share rooms, they still all slept together. You know, so it just, um, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of love. It's a lot of love. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Do you love having a big family, Grace? Like, is it fun having that many siblings? I just had one sister. So what is it like growing up with all these kids running wild in your house? It's so fun. My sisters, so we're all, I would say all of our siblings are like best friends. Um, but having sisters is so fun. Having brothers is really fun too, and I'm really close to my brothers as well. But I have, um, sometimes I have to think about how many sisters I have. Yeah, how many sisters do you have? I have four sisters. Um, but it's so sweet. It's just, it is like my built-in best friends, and we do everything together. Like Annabelle's home for summer now. Tuta just graduated college. Everybody's home this summer. Michael's home too. Um, and all the past few months, all of us, all we can talk about is how excited we are just to be together. We have so much fun. What do y'all do? Like, what, are y'all, what does y'all's family do when y'all are all hanging out together? What is going on in y'all's house? Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I like what's happening. happening. Um, well, one thing we do, we, do, we um, invest in travel together. Yeah. So and that's a big investment because there's eight, no. 
10 of y'all traveling? I mean, just to get everyone on a plane or in a car. He's married, and then Chicha just got engaged. So this summer, we're going to Montana. But there's there'll be 12 of us. Exactly. Flying, and then rental cars for two, for 12 people, and then a place to stay. It is an act of Congress. But <laughs> Circus. It is. It's a circus. It's a circus. But they're they're all pretty chill. We don't really have anybody that's wound up tight. Yeah. And so we kind of just roll with it. And if things go wrong, we all laugh about it. We're like, of course it did. <laughs> I think when you stare death in the face with your family, with, with children, then you don't get stressed out about if something's not packed in your bag. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you're, when we are facing, all of my children have seen dying babies in Africa. And when you experience that, you, there's not much that can happen here in America, short of death, that makes you go, oh, that's horrible. Right. Just, okay, we dropped an iPad or whatever it is. Right. And you just move on. You go to the next thing because it's yeah. not death. It's not life or death. Yeah. What's the age ranges from like oldest to youngest? Like what are, what is what is this, the spectrum of ages we're dealing with? So Chuta is a year older than me, so she's twenty six. I'm twenty five. Michael is twenty two. Mm -hmm. Annabelle is nineteen. Villarian is eighteen or seventeen. About to be eighteen yeah. in August. Um, Joshua just turned sixteen. No, fifteen. No. I'm sorry. I can do grades. Yeah. <laughs> I, do I have two 15-year-olds and a 13-year-old? So 26 yeah. to 13. I was thinking he's been driving me. Yeah, he's I know that he's 15. But, yeah. I shouldn't have heard of that one. <laughs> so now, since Love One was really prompted by Josie Love, tell me about her. What's, what is her personality like? What is, what is, how has her blossoming been? Oh, she's just... Sunshine. She is? It's sunshine. She smiles all the time. She, I mean, her teachers at school will say she is a beam of sunshine. She's the most joyful. We all say all the time, if we could all live in Josie Love's world and be that joyful all the time. Um, she's, so she's going into high school next year. Wow. Um, she's trying out for cheerleading this weekend for the high school cheerleading and um, she's just a little miracle. She's a miracle. And, you know, here's the thing. Another reason why I, uh, I was telling you earlier, the positive, the little plus sign on the Love One logo, it stands for HIV children. And there is a stigma that's attached to that, specifically, especially in Uganda or other third world countries. Um, in America, not as much, but it's still there. Um, but my goal for her life, if there's ever a time when she starts feeling defeated or she starts going, gosh, why do I have these delays or why do I have these hardships on a daily basis? I can take her on a plane and show her child after child after child after child. So if it wasn't for her, they wouldn't be there. Oh, God. So... That is another reason for my heart as a mom. I love her so much, and I don't work, want her to feel the darkness that could come. And 
that is a bright spot that I go, oh, oh, come on, baby, we're going to get on a plane. And let me just show you how special you are. Wow. Dang. Ugh. You guys. So how can people get involved? Because obviously – you're you guys and your family y'all are next level like walking the walk of god like you are like y'all are y'all are angels and saints on this earth and most of us aren't on the level of you all but i feel like probably everyone has it in them to want to help and get involved so how can people help out who aren't ready to you know go all in and like ugh, god just y'all are so Next level, I feel just so honored to be talking to y'all, but how do people get involved with you guys and help? Um, I, I think I said this earlier, but people can give. Um, we have the website. Everything's on the website? Yes, on our website, we, which is loveoneinternational.org. Um, but a lot of people ask if they can give physical items, but the problem is, number one, it's really hard to ship them. Number two we can get them at a fraction of the cost in Uganda and that would support the Ugandan economy, which is great. So typically we don't really need physical things. It's usually just monetary, but if people don't have the capacity to give, you can do a fundraiser and fundraise for loved one. Um, you can also buy our merch and all hundred percent of the proceeds go to Uganda. Um, and then we also have an ambassador program, which it's closed right now, but we'll reopen applications in February. Um, to be a part of that, which is basically just people raising funds and awareness for loved one and they get to be part of a really cool community of like-minded and like-hearted people. So, so what if you wanted to like go on a trip or is it open? How do people go on a mission trip with you guys? Is that an option? Not currently. Right. Okay. The hope would be that once we get our new center built and we have a big compound and we have the space, for people to be able to go, but that's just a whole nother staff person to, fun, you know, it, it, it's a lot. I don't feel like we will ever do love one trips to Uganda. Like okay. <laughs> a few years ago and it was, it was awesome and like really cool. Even in the chaos of it, we were like, we know that God will bring forgiveness and we know that the people that are on these trips, like we prayed over the applications, we know that it was for purpose and we've seen, it's just been so cool. The people that, we're still connected with today that went on a trip three years ago and the instrumental role a lot of them played, but I don't know that we'll open trips to the public, but what we did do this past year or right before COVID hit was we did partner trips with one world health. Yeah. Who was our one world is the medical center in Sydney, Uganda. Um, and they were taking medical trips and you don't have to be medical personnel to go on them, but we did like some kind of co-branded trips where they were like love one and one world trips and people would go and do medical outreach in the communities that loved one also touches. So if people are interested in traveling, I would say look into one world health. Mm -hmm. um, and we might do love one and one world trips with them again. But as far as us coordinating, it's just a I'm, lot. Yeah, a lot. I'm saying this because I don't want a bunch of emails being like, when are the trips going to open up? <laughs> that's true. That, that's my fault. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, I mean, I just, I can't even. So are there fundraisers coming up? Like if you do one in Nashville, I want, I would love to help be a part of it. I know like 
y'all have done big fundraisers before and a bunch of country music artists came out and did events and raised, I think like, did y'all raise like a million dollars one time? Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it is amazing. That's one of the doors opening. Yeah. You know, you go financially, the doors keep opening. So you go clearly God's going to do something because we have the finances to do it, which has been really sweet to have. Especially during COVID, we were able to go. like done even better during COVID, right? Yeah. <laughs> How? Because most people were so were struggling, and especially nonprofits and charities. Like, was it just how did y'all keep it flowing? Literally, the favor of God and yes. bringing the right people. I'm serious. It was crazy. I always get these emails from all these different organizations that are like, "Is your nonprofit struggling to make ends meet during COVID?" Here's some seminars you can listen to and, or it'll ask like you to fill out questionnaires or surveys. And I'm like, that doesn't really apply to us. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it's, been really sweet. It's totally gone. Yeah. Well, you guys, this has truly been an honor and a blessing to talk to you guys. I am so inspired and just, it may talking to y'all and hearing what you what you're doing it makes me want to get more involved and do better because it's just if everyone just gives and steps up like I feel like those little movements forward as a collective can make such a big difference and so I encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to please go check out loveoneinternational.org and give what you can get involved stay stay following you guys how do you what is your social media is it just at love one int it's love one yeah international what you said about everybody doing their part that's actually kind of also the heart behind love one just saying yes to love the one in front of you because it's overwhelming when you look at the need but if every single person just said yes to the person in front of them the ripple effect that it would have would be world changing. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Wow. That's so true. And it's just so sometimes people, you can get overwhelmed with the state of the world, but if we could all just say yes to the one in front of us and love the one in front of us, dang, that's really, that's really good. So I always wrap up with leave your light. What do you want people to know? This is very open-ended. About ourselves or loved one? Whatever wants to flow out of you. Just what do you feel like you want people to know? I think for me, it would probably be that there's been, there's a lot of days where I do not feel equipped. Um, I, just, I just don't feel equipped. And what I've learned and what I've seen firsthand is that God doesn't necessarily call the equipped, but he does equip the called. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So I've, we've learned so much. We've made a lot of mistakes. We've Googled a lot just to figure out how to do different things. Um, and at the end of the day, um, it, it's been done, maybe not perfectly, or maybe not like a Forbes magazine, best business, you know, whatever the, you know, the titles are. Right. Um, but truly, it's, we are helping that one child, and we're, we were not equipped, but he has equipped us as we've gone along. 
just because of our willingness. And I think I'd probably say that to every mom out there that on a daily basis, there's something that happens that makes you feel like, gosh, I mean, I have no, what I'm doing as I have no idea what I'm doing as a mom right now. Um, or as soon as you think you know what you're, you're doing, something happens and you, then you go, oh, I was wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> we're offline by the seat of our pants. We had to start. And so grace, when you're loving each person in front of you, to have grace with that person too. I love that. Okay, speaking of grace, grace. Hmm. Um... I had like five thoughts run through my head while she was talking. Um, I think honestly, probably the biggest thing that I'm learning in this season and it kind of goes back to what she said, but, um, or I guess not that I'm learning, but I would just say, I think everybody, it's easy to listen to things like this and feel like, well, God's calling them to do that, but I could never do that. Like even you saying, Oh, well, this is on another, another level. It's like, kind of goes back to what we were saying. You don't have to go out and do this huge thing. Like mm -hmm. all we are called to do is love people. And that can be in any job. You can be a banker. You can be a janitor. You can be a country music artist. You, you can be anything and you can still love people well. And um, it kind of makes me think about that. I think it's Maya Angelou. I hope I say that right. But the quote that says people will forget what you said and they forget, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I think no matter who you are, or what you're doing, everyone has capacity to love people and for people to walk away from their encounters with you feeling like, man, that, that I felt heard. I felt loved just by the way that that person treated me. That's mine. I love that. And that goes back to, to also the mission of love one, love the one in front of you, like any, at any place in your life that you are. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Everyone's qualified. You guys. What about you? What's your life? You know, that's, <laughs> I know I've never really been asked that. <laughs> um, I think my life is, I want, everyone to know that they're valuable and that everybody has a unique gift that they were given specifically by God and it's unique to that person and it's so important to believe in that gift that you have and let that blossom if you can and I feel like if we could all just follow that little tug of our heart and try to like go like follow the open doors like you guys have mentioned and like walk through the doors where we feel called. I feel like if we could all just start doing that a little bit, I feel like it would create such a beautiful world because if we all tapped into our unique gift, that's why we all came here anyway. So like how spectacular would this life be if we didn't just push it down or ignore it or go after you know, like money or power or success or whatever. If instead you're like, okay, I'm going to be motivated by my heart. I think, that, I think that the, I think it would just, everyone would be so much more blessed and the world would be blessed. So I just, I like to have these conversations with people like you guys to spotlight people who are following that voice and who have seen what has come from that and how you can truly be blessed and bless others 
And it's not always easy. And there's a lot of heartbreak and there's a lot of hardships. And, you know, I don't kind of what you guys are saying, like you, those who are called, you're not equipped, aren't called those who are called are equipped. It's like, you just kind of have to go and just keep following that passion and just know that it, you'll be guided. And it's not and to expect an easy road. It's not, you can't, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> but that's what I, my hope for everyone is that they can be inspired to tap into their own heart and their own little voice and find that value in their soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just want everyone to feel valuable. I hate all the suffering in the world and I hate all, I mean, everybody does, but it's just like, sometimes I'm like, this world is too much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys do when you get overwhelmed with just like the intense suffering? Cause y'all are doing so much to help, but sometimes it's like, God, it's just so much. I, we cry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we, <do. laughs> we cry a lot. But also, like, even when you said that, I was reading this morning, um, I think I was reading in James, um, and it was talking about, or maybe I just had a note of this, but my note said, this is not the first time that things have been like this in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. throughout the entire history of the world, things have been actually significantly worse than they are right now. And there's hope in that, like, this isn't new, and it kind of is like, in um, Ecclesiastes, it also talks about there's nothing new under the sun. It's like everything comes and goes in seasons. And I think also this pain is temporary. It's so fleeting compared to what eternity will be. Um, and so instead of like focusing on the large picture, I just try to think about my life. Like my life is going to be, is going to come and go. And then I'm going to be in eternity. So yeah, the world sucks sometimes, but like while I'm here, what can I do to make it better? Mm-hmm. And I think if you focus on like yourself and your life and how you're contributing to make it better, it's like what we've been saying, instead of focusing on the giant problem, focus on what you can do to make it better. And where you feel called. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think about that too. I interviewed Tim Shaw like several years ago and he had just been diagnosed. He's a football player with the Titans. He had just been diagnosed with ALS and he was, he's been one of the most inspiring people to follow his journey and, He's written books now, and he's just, like, an incredible guy. But he said, if everyone just tapped into their calling, we all, like, we all have a different calling, and we're all supposed to be doing different things. And so if you just tapped into where you feel called and followed that, that would make such a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are so busy looking what everybody else is doing that then they feel inadequate to do what they're really supposed to be called to do. Whereas if you just go, okay, what am I supposed to do? then we all work as the body of Christ. Yeah. And I would love to ask you guys, how, for someone who's like, okay, great, what are you talking about? I don't understand callings. Like, you're talking about callings, God speaking to you, all this stuff. Like, I've never had that happen to me. Like, this sounds like a bunch of, you know, wild, like, insanity. How can someone who is, like, hearing this for the first time, who wants to find their calling, who wants to be connected, how would you suggest they try to start hearing that voice or hearing that tug on their heart. Like how, how would you tell them to start talking to God and listening for God? Okay. When you asked me, I answered the question about my light. And afterwards I thought, this is the first podcast that I've been on that I haven't brought up John Eldridge. 
<laughs> and then you asked this question, and now I'm about to talk about John Eldridge. So I wrote a book by John Eldridge called, we both have read it. Um, I've read it with my small group. We've read it with our prayer group. It's called Walking with God, How to Hear His Voice. And it talks about how, like, if you look at God's design for relationships, we build relationships with each other through communication. And it's two-way communication. And the same goes with our relationship with him. Like, I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, we're coming and we're, I mean, it's biblical to present your request to God, but he wants to talk back to us. And so it just talks about how, like, it's two-way communication and it actually teaches you practical ways of, like, how to talk to God, how to hear his voice. If you're not hearing it, different ways to, like, really get in touch with him and quiet your spirit. And it has changed my life. I know she would say the same. Um, that book is game changing if you want to learn how to hear God's voice. And then also I think to couple with that, when we talk about like, what is your calling? Um, somebody told me once that if you want to figure out like what you're passionate about, think about what makes you really angry because a lot of times like the things that make you angry in the world, like the injustices or whatever it is, that is what you're passionate about. And that's like what you have a fire for. Um, and I think if people think about that, like some people, it'll be homelessness. Some people, it'll be malnourished kids. Some people, it'll be women who don't have access to like the things they need to have a safe birth and birth a baby. You know, like everybody has those different things. And there's also a statistic. I heard this years and years ago, so I don't know if it shifted, but I heard that if 7% of believers adopted, it would completely eradicate the orphan population. And so it's like, how many believers, if they would sit down and pray and ask God, would feel that calling or would feel that passion if they would just take the time to ask? And it would probably be more than 7%, I would think. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like if you will take the time to ask God and to think about, like, what is it that gets me fired up? That's probably what God created you to do or to help with. And then also read that book because it'll tell you how to hear from God. So, okay, tell me the name of the book again. Walking with God. And then the little subtitle is How to Hear His Voice, and it's by John Eldridge. Okay. And he's written a bunch. He wrote one called Moving Mountains. That's like, I think the subtitle is something like How to Pray Passionate, Effective Prayers or something. He wrote Wild at Heart, talks about the boys. Yeah, I feel like everyone's heard of that one. Yeah. His books are it's incredible. Good. They're good. Well, I am, I just, I have been so inspired by you guys. This conversation was so moving. What y'all are doing is so incredible. It was a true honor to get to talk about you guys and hear your story. And I hope that I see you in person soon. And I would love to stay involved and in contact with you guys. And I'm just so grateful to know y'all and to get to like hear about what you're doing this is more it's just so incredible it's so amazing y'all are y'all are amazing women and family and this is i appreciate it so much thank you thank you thanks so for having, having us. us yeah oh thank you guys for coming on and have a great day and a great summer with the full house thank you thank you you enjoy yours too okay bye 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.